0: you ready. Welcome to Positive Adoption, where you can find adoption, foster care, and trauma-informed parenting all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker. But more than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos from hard places. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Positive Adoption, a Coffee Break podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Positive Adoption. We are continuing our series on five things you can do to help an adoptive and foster family from the book, Five Things, A Tiny Handbook for Adoptive and Foster Families and Churches Who Serve Them. You can get this as a free download. It's in the show notes. And Sandra Flack is joining me again. This is the last in the series. So I'm going to have to think up another excuse for her to come back on the show, which I already have. I'll tell you about it later. But here is Sandra. Say hi. Hey, everybody. Great to be back. So last week, we were talking about don't judge the parents by the child's behavior. And this week, we're talking about, on the other hand, Don't be fooled by a child's superficially engaging behavior. So what does that mean? So some children with attachment or self-regulatory issues will behave horribly in public. We know that. We've talked about that. But others will look like angels and leave you wondering why mom doesn't feel like coming out in public anymore. Or... They may, they may seem so well-mannered and engaging that they're giving responsibility in organizations or sports or school that they just can't handle. Remember last week we talked about emotional age being half of their physical age. So that's still there, even if they seem mature on the outside. And I was telling Sandra before we started recording when my youngest son was in his last year at the homeschool co-op that we belonged to, his teacher would constantly tell me how well-mannered he was, how polite he was, and then the next day I'd get an email from her saying... He didn't do this assignment and it would be like a really long essay and him writing an essay without a lot of help from me would be like me telling him to go to the moon on his own. And so his essay would be a paragraph and that was, you know, that's all he could do, really all he could do. And so we have to be careful about that. You can't think just because a child has a great personality and they're engaging, if they've had trauma they may not be able to live up to whatever you think they can do. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying that if you keep that expectation in mind, then you'll be able to help them more in the long run. So um, I said this in the book, then I'll let Sandra talk. Look at mom and dad for an accurate picture. Talk to them. Ask them some questions. And that was one of the things I did with this particular teacher, which didn't really stick with her, but I did it and it was the right thing to do is explain to her, yes, he is very well mannered. Yes, he's quiet. He's polite. But he is not comprehending what you're talking about in class because he's in survival mode. So yes, he's being polite and kind and smiling. But when he gets home, and I ask him what the assignment was. He doesn't know because he didn't understand what was going on. So ask the parents. Talk to them. And then look at, look at them at the parents actually. the Mom, for instance, is she haggard? Is she slurping her second cup of coffee an hour into a field trip? Do her eyes keep darting towards the child as if she's unsure of what the child is going to do? Um, does she have the worry hunch? Is she too perfect looking? Hair, makeup, clothes as if she's covering up and trying to hide herself? Or better yet, ask her and be firm and wait for an honest answer. So um, I'll let Sandra talk because I told her there was something I wanted to finish up with, but I'll let her talk.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I was thinking about how you said that... um, you know, we can tell, we all are used to seeing our kids who don't behave appropriately out in public. So we expect frazzled moms. Um, but then some of our kids, our trauma kids behave very well out in public. It's not so much that outward behavior. I've got my youngest who, the second we met him in the orphanage, we weren't sure we were going to survive bringing him home <laughs> uh, because there was that outward behavior. Now our, our older teen now, this our 17 year old we got him when he was three and he was always this, he, he was just this cute crooked little boy. Like he had severe scoliosis. So his spine was crooked. When we first adopted him, he had crossed eyes. He's had multiple surgeries on all those things, but he just had, he attached wonderfully. He didn't have any outwardly um, disruptive behaviors Uh, and he had this dynamic personality. And I'll give you an example because this was like something that would happen all the time. He must've been maybe, maybe 10. Uh, we were going to be traveling to Florida. We were at the airport at our gate waiting for them to start boarding the plane. And back then he didn't have a cell phone. I think those iPod touch things were all the rage where you could take pictures, right? right. Just phone calls and you could listen to music and play games and take pictures. So he had his, his device with him. And um, he saw the, when the pilot the pilots and the flight attendants board first, you know, they come in with their suitcases and they wheel through and they go, well, he saw them coming and I was distracted with whatever I was doing. And, and, um, he was probably over there chatting them up, which is very common <laughs> because of his great personality.
0: Yeah.
1: And then a few minutes later, when the, the, the woman at the gate announced over the loudspeaker that they were going to begin boarding the plane and you know how they do first class first and right babies, whatever. Um, so she said, we're going to be boarding and, and, um, and Jordan and his family board the plane first. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I go up there, like I slink oh, up there, like goodness. lady, we have like economy seats in the back of the plane. We have to board first. And she said, well, the, the pilot's just radioed up and said because they met Jordan, he was taking pictures with them. They want him and his younger brother in the cockpit oh my boards, so you can board first. And um, So that is just a classic thing that would happen. Doors just would open for this little guy always, and even now as a, he's he's a teenager, he's you know going through that punk teenage boy phase. So there's mm-hmm. some of that going on, but he'll still he'll think nothing of picking up the phone and calling you know, the local hardware store to ask them their price on this kind of whatever, because uh-huh. he could get it over here at the other, like he, like most kids wouldn't pick up the phone and right. make a phone call and talk to another adult. He, he sort of wheels and deals and does stuff like that all the time. So he's got this very dynamic personality. And when we put him in school, his school teacher, the one year said, she said, do you think we could have Jordan run for student government? Cause he, he would. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, but you know, he's got the personality for it, but he doesn't have the executive function for it. Um, right. And see, that's just the thing. He's He's got this personality. Everybody's drawn to him. But in a way, looks can be deceiving because when it comes right down to it, he has executive function disorder. He's got the dismaturity. So, yeah, he looks, well, he's very small, actually, in stature, but he is a 17-year-old but mm-hmm. yet the brain is functioning more like a 10 or 12 year old in, in most ways. Um, and he has that lack of impulse control and, you know, he's, he's probably reading really at a fourth grade level. So then you put him in, situations that are, that are for older individuals for the typical 17 year old or a little bit older. And he really can't navigate them well. Like when we had him in vocational training school, he gotten a lot of, a lot, of, he was getting into trouble um, because he was, became a follower because mm-hmm. he wanted to run with the big dogs. He wanted to be with the cool kids. Um, and because of his history um, and FASD, he's got that propensity toward addictions So when he was, they they introduced him, the kid, the older boys up there introduced him to vaping
0: Mm. and he
1: thought he was looking like, but yet, you know, from a health standpoint, not only is that horrible for anybody to do, but because of his scoliosis, one lung is actually smaller than the other, the way his rib cage grew. So he's the least, you know, person who should be the last person who should be doing it. Um, So he couldn't really manage those situations, even though he's so successful in so many other areas, like he could weld and is wonderful hands on, but Mm -hmm. yet he couldn't navigate that social situation. So they're not always ready for that. Um, Right. It's important to, to keep in mind just because on the outside they may look very normal and they may in a lot of ways interact with you and be able to carry on a wonderful conversation with you. That doesn't mean that they can really handle these bigger responsibilities.
0: Right. And that's why, you know, I advise you to look to the parents. Talk to the parents, because we're not saying these kids are bad or wrong or shouldn't be given any responsibility, but just because they have superficially engaging behavior and they have a great personality, there's a reason for that. God is going to use that. But that doesn't mean they need to run for student government. And, you know, I was explaining about my youngest. I spent that whole year of school... Every single week, going back and forth with this one particular teacher, even though I'd explained to her that he didn't understand it every week. He's so good. He's so great. And actually, she called me one week and said, "Um, I don't want to talk to you about Rafael. I would like to talk to you about another student that I'm really concerned about. And I was like, hey, wait a minute here. (laughs) That is, you know, and it, it, it was... I don't know. It was very confusing to me that she had spent that year, and I'm not judging her. I understand. It was just not understanding brain development and what brain damage can do and what trauma can do and fetal alcohol syndrome. She didn't understand any of that. Um, she tried to convince me that my son could do these, this work because he was very well-mannered. So that's the caution is just be careful. You know, talk to the parents, listen to the parents, listen to what they have to say. And Sandra was saying, you know, they had to pull their kid out of this Votech center because even though he wanted to get along with everyone, he was getting along great. He got into some behaviors that he didn't have the, the brain Power to realize this is not good for my lung. This is not good for my health. This is not, you know what I mean. And it's interesting. They these kids have that, and it can be a gift. Like my son, who was very much like Jordan, was very engaging. Like he pretty much ruled the orphanage when he was six years old. When we adopted him, he is now a paramedic, and he's very very good at one on one assessing the danger, assessing the situation. And, you know, he's, he's older now, he's 27. So, you know, they, and that personality is very hopeful to him in his work, because wouldn't you want somebody with a good personality picking you up in the ambulance? Yes. So, but we have to be patient. And when they're teens. When they're children, you need to talk to the parents about it. And I think I've told this story before, but I think it's important. Um, Three or four of my kids were getting piano lessons, and we had a piano at our home. And the young man who was giving piano lessons would just come to our our house. And um, we had to stop doing that because my daughter, with her superficially engaging behavior and not knowing where to draw the line, when he would come over she learned nothing about the piano she couldn't do she wouldn't practice but she would jump on his lap and treat him like he was dad and he was kind of uncomfortable with that and I was uncomfortable with that so we had to change the location of our piano lessons and um, that worked a lot better and so those kinds of things, it's like we're constantly, as as parents in general, but especially as adoptive and foster parents, we're constantly learning new things about our kids and trying to arrange the environment for their success. So if you think we're saying this about the superficially engaging behavior because we want to change our children's personalities, that's not true. But we want to make their environment successful for them, and we want them to succeed And we want them to have responsibilities that they can have success in and not feel like a failure in. Because who wants to be at a meeting and be like, you know, well, uh, Kathleen, she's really, she's a happy person. She's happy-go-lucky. She's always giving us good suggestions. So we're going to put her in charge of everything and then find out that she can't do any of them. Who wants to be in that position? And we don't want our kids to be in that position. So do you have a final thought before I do this last little thing?
1: I was just thinking that I know that it can sound like you and I have all of this experience and and, and know all of this stuff. But it's because we have lived experience of probably, gosh, I think 25 years worth of lived experience Mm -hmm. for myself. Yeah. combined with yours where we've parented and we started, we, I think we both started off really having no clue how to parent children with trauma histories. And we got a lot of on the job training. And then we also got a lot of trauma training and, and, and different things that we've learned along the way. So we're speaking from our experiences, but not as we did it all the right way. And so you should listen to us. We did it all the wrong way first.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: What <laughs> worked and just sharing that with with all of you so that maybe you could make less mistakes as you go, not that you're not going to make any cuz I still make mistakes. I still have two teenage boys at home. I'm learning new stuff every day. I'm about to next month take a 6 week uh facets training um on fetal alcohol syndrome. Oh wow just because I, I I've learned so much, but the more I learn, the more I know there's more I need to learn. Mm-hmm. And I really want to be able to understand not only so I can parent my kids better, but also so I can help others because I, you know, I use my platform to talk about it a lot. Like we've been talking about it in this series. So we want to make sure that we're sharing the truth and, and coming at this with wisdom, but also understanding the brain and, you know, marrying um, science with, um, you know, faith and knowing that these things come together and our kids can be successful. Right. Um, but we made a lot of mistakes along the way and sometimes still do. And we're kind of open books about it. Right. <laughs> we are open books about it because we've both written books about it. But, um, <laughs> but we're here because we we want to encourage you and educate you and support you along the way so that you can be Successful and your, your children can be successful.
0: Exactly. Because I had posted this on Facebook with a, the podcast. Um, and Sandra said that she enjoys collaborating with me. And I said, Man, I wish we would have had us when we were younger. Yes. And I do. We didn't. And that's one of the reasons we both do podcasts. We both have written books and we both work in this realm of helping other adoptive and foster families is because we needed that. And I didn't have it. I didn't have it in my church. I didn't have other families who had adopted. They started adopting after we did. So we're not saying, hey, put us on a pedestal. We know what we're talking about. We're saying, hey, we've been there. We want to come alongside you. We have some experience. We've had a lot of failures. And we've also had some successes. And we're still learning. So learn with us. Yes. So I was just going to close this series with this. Let me close with this. Sometimes the best thing you can do for adoptive and foster parents is listen. Don't correct. Don't interject. Just listen. Support them in prayer and acknowledge you don't have all the answers. They don't need all the answers. They sometimes just need some validation that they are doing a good work And others support and care for them and their children in this adoption and foster care journey. Adoption is not for the faint of heart, it's for the courageous. Adoptive and foster parents are the bravest people I know because they do it afraid. And they follow in the footsteps of our Heavenly Father, building the family through adoption. So I thank you for joining us for this series. And um, I will be... Sharing an interview with Natalie. What's Natalie's last name? Natalie Vecchione of FASD Hope. See, that's why Sandra's here. I will be sharing an interview with her and then we'll move on to another subject matter. And we have exciting things coming. So make sure that you join us and I will see you next week on Positive Adoption. Bye. Thanks for listening to Positive Adoption. Make sure you subscribe on thewholehouse.org to receive your gift of five things, a tiny handbook for foster and adoptive families, and receive a monthly newsletter plus updates when new books or courses are released. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, Spotify, or YouTube and leave a review so others can find Positive Adoption and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send an email to me at positiveadoption@gmail.com at gmail.com and follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Whole House and Twitter at Kath Guire. Thanks for listening to the show.